0: Now, let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible.
1: No big shoes to fill there, right? I'd like to fall on the heels of Moses. That's what Joshua's was getting ready for. So I bring all this context because these people are. They were men and women of faith. And they didn't, they might have been discouraged. They probably were. They might have been exasperated. They might have been affected by unprecedented things. Like, who's ever seen serpents biting everyone in the neighborhood? Can you imagine if you woke up behind the beach like, wow. Man, you know, like, you can't go back inside, there's serpents. Like, when did that ever happen? Like, we just got past, we just finally, after three decades, figured out that, you know, people really did gag on the quail. Rotted right between their teeth. Oh, that really happened. And then you wake up one day, the people are murmuring, and they're serpents. That's unprecedented. And people were discouraged. Very discouraged. People who are going to perish in the wilderness, maybe still that last group of people over 20, not entering in, but also young people, or people that were under 20, but drew for 38 years in the wilderness, and they're discouraged. It's like, man, why my generation? Why? Gosh, like, I'm gonna by the time we get to the promised land, I'm gonna be too old to enjoy it. How many ever thought of that before? Not you younger people, but you know. Like my dad said, you know, D- Joe, once you finally pay off your house, like you can't even live there anymore. <laughs> Life isn't about fairness, it's about who's on the throne, like the song we were singing, the last song, and what we believe and how we trust and believe in the Lord. They were very discouraged. In fact, they're discouraged in their souls, we're told, that. In their very souls, they were discouraged on the way. So I think it's important as we think about this to, to not think it's that unique to be discouraged or exasperated or frustrated. And the ultimate discouragement affects the soul. Like David, all those songs, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And it's not that we ignore the reality of these things, of the human emotions and what we go through with frustrations or anger or sadness or sorrow. Grieving with loss of loved ones and all these different things. Frustration that we lost our jobs and people that deliver products on the world now. Like, what can you do? I mean, you see the frustration where all the small businesses, 100,000 100, small businesses went out of business in America this year. And people that are super rich got richer in many cases. And people we are like, who's going to take care of the small businesses? I don't know. And we don't need to worry about that. There's different breaking points for different people. I'm not saying those things don't matter. They do matter. But in the end, God's working on eternity. And he's working in our lives. And it's important that as we approach breaking points and have been through breaking points in life, relationships, jobs, school, everything, that we're framing it with the eyes of faith. It's okay to recognize discouraging circumstances, but it's very important to stay in the moment And trust in the Lord in that moment. That's why Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or wear. Sufficient is the trouble for today. And so we're reminded just to stay in the moment. God clothes the lilies of the valley. He feeds the birds of the air. And we're trusting him to raise us from the grave. We're trusting him that when we breathe our last, that we're transcending dimensions under the blood of Christ and the good shepherd's coming for us. We just sang that song with Jack. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the of death, ye prepare a table in the presence of my foes. And surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all days of my life. Psalm 23. We're, we're believing him for that. So if we're believing in Jesus to defy the laws of the universe, the physical universe, time, space, and matter, to raise us from the grave, he's got this. So it's important that we continue to stay in the moment and frame all that's coming our way through the eyes of faith and put put the mistakes behind us quickly and reload with faith for what's in the moment and what's in front of us around the corner that's what we 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 must do that's what faith does because faith believes all things hopes all things endures all things like love does and our faith is a we overcome by our faith that's what we're told And so our faith in God's word, our faith in his promises, our faith in his love for us proven on the cross, and we trust in him, and he's going to see us through it. It's not unusual to be discouraged in difficult times. And again, talking to pastors, particularly in Russia, and just getting updates from Russia, there's been a lot of discouragement for them. There's a lot of discouragement for Russian citizens. There's a lot of discouragement for believers and citizens of the world right now all over the planet. Can you imagine living in London right now and not being saved? How exasperating things would be in the UK right now. I've been to London. I've been to England many times. And I coached the British team in 2011 at the World Championships. And I just, God's got them on that side of the pond. He's got us on this side. So don't be thrown up by discouragement, but don't let it stumble you into complaining against the Lord. Don't let that happen. We have to. It's okay to recognize it, but we have to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. That's the positive. Then it says also that the people spoke against God, Moses, and the manna in verse 5. Wow. That's the hat trick. When you speak against the leadership that's called by God, when you speak against God himself, because sometimes people just blame the leadership when they're really mad at God. Like, that happens a lot in ministry. You learn that as a pastor. They're not really mad at me, but they're mad at God. But I represent God, so they're going to tear into me. That, that's very common in the ministry, in case you feel called to ministry. Um, guilt by association, right? And, but then it's not enough to that they're, they are blaming God and Moses so at least they've moved on from, because we've seen them blaming Moses before, right? Moses and Aaron. Now and like, no, we they go together. We're blaming Moses and we're blaming God. It's all out in the open. And on top of that, here's where we really crossed the line. Let's curse the manna. Wow. You know, some people, when they melt down, they really melt down. And when you're cursing manna, <laughs> that's like, it's pretty raw and open right there. Moses, the leadership, God himself and the manna his spiritual sustenance for them, which really speaks of Christ. Because again, Jesus said, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, but I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven. And he said, your father still perished, but I am the bread of life. And he that eats of me will have everlasting life. So the manna speaks of Jesus, just like the rock that the water came from speaks of Jesus. So in a sense, they're, they're blaming Moses, the father and the son right here. Wow, we don't want to do that. See, this is the negative. Okay, so they're discouraged. We understand that. We all know it's like to be discouraged at any time in life, but particularly in 2020. But now they're speaking against God, Moses, and the manna. It's a chain reaction. See, if we don't frame disappointment and discouragement and things that exasperate the soul, if we do not put the optic on those things through faith, if we don't set those before the throne of God with the promises of God and the word of God, there's going to be a chain reaction. And we're gonna go, we're gonna, we're gonna slip from discouragement into a deep despair. And some people never come back from that. We can go into a slew of response to where frustration becomes total despair. And ultimately, where despair runs its full course, you know where it goes? Unbelief. That's the end game of despair, is to come to a place of unbelief, where you choose to embrace despair and bad events and circumstances over the promises of God that triumph over them. That's where despair becomes unbelief. Because like I said, they became very discouraged on the way. And it was discouraging what Edom did to them. It was discouraging to have to go on circles in the wilderness for 35 years because of a previous generation's bad decisions. But in the end, each person must decide to live by faith in their timeline, in their journey, in their circumstances that affect them individually, their household, their community, and the world around them, and their timeline. And it's important that we, we, we be aware that that despair does not give way to full-on despondency and then just drop right over a cliff into unbelief because that's, that's the sin. The, the alt- because again, Paul despaired of life. But he didn't go from being despaired of life over the cliff of unbelief. Like Paul never came to a place in his despair and heartache that he's blaming God, cursing God, cursing manna, and just saying it's over with and it's doom and gloom and there's nothing left for us to do. Paul always was like, even in his last letter, he said, hey, no one stood with me, but the Lord stood with me. And the Lord delivered me from the mouth of the lion. He will always deliver me. To the day he was executed, I'm sure Paul was triumphant in his faith right to the last moment. Because he had a conquering faith, and we're more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us, we're told in the Bible. We don't want to curse God. We don't want to curse the leadership. How many people have cursed church leadership this year? How many people who look to man or women, men and women, in usurping Jesus Christ in their life all this time, where are they now? How many people don't go to church because they curse the manna? How many people have just become so discouraged they don't come to church? And there's, there's good reasons, particularly, of course, with COVID. If people are uncomfortable, we get it. So don't misunderstand me. I live with a nine year old now. I'm very much aware of that. All right? But... There are people who just needed one excuse to to just not come to church and to not seek the Lord. So forget about coming to church. Let's just talk about not even walking with the Lord. But they do kind of go together because we're like coals, right? You know, when the coals are together, fellowship, but you take the coal away from the fellowship, isolate it, and it dies out faster. And we're told that we're to be together. So whether it's through Zoom groups like we did during April and May, we did the Zoom groups. They were very, they were clunky, but they were edifying, right? Like, I mean, the Zoom was clunky for fellowship, but it was edifying. I can say that for my wife and I, we did it for like eight weeks, right? And I got to tell you, every time I got off, I was built up and edified. It was, you know, clunky, but it was still fellowship in that sense. But see, there's some people that they don't want to go to church and they don't want to do Zoom and they don't want to watch live stream. They're over it. A lot of them. And they're obsessed with government decisions or government indecisions or whatever. And don't be that person. We can't be that person. And you're here tonight, but there's people watching on live stream as well. We cannot be that person. Because for me personally, and I've been transparent about this, in the challenges that I faced in my journey, moving in on 60 in March, it's been a long time since I've like been mad at the Lord. Like, I think people get mad at the Lord sometimes. Like, someone you love gets sick and they die. And people are mad at the Lord. That happens. Or, like, the engagement didn't work out. Or you didn't get to college. You Just things. Sometimes, like, you can be mad at the Lord when things go against you. And ideally, as you're growing, you realize we're all saved by grace. And we're, we're good to be saved by grace. And we're under the blood. And broken dreams and heartache, we learn to really trust in the Lord. But there's times we... Some people, like, just, they just, they, they blame God a lot for things. Oh, God, why did I get this job? Oh, God, why didn't he love me? Why did she leave me? And all these things. Like, and they get mad at the Lord. Like, in 33 years of ministry, I can tell you, I've met with a lot of people who they're just venting because they're mad at the Lord. But in my dreams, what I've been through, most of the time, I'm just disappointed in myself. Not mad at the Lord. Maybe you can relate to that one. But there have been times this year where I've, I've, I've actually like, wow, I'm, I think I'm kind of like mad at the Lord right now. I'm pretty upset about some things because if God's all-knowing and just and righteous, why does it seem like everything's hidden and unjust and unrighteous? And why are you allowing this? Where you're like Jonas sitting under a plant stewing and then the plant's gone the next day and you're still stewing. Like that. Don't raise your hand, but if that's you, then it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you follow mandates and you see people who give those mandates not following those mandates. As they say, good for thee, but not for me. That's frustrating. But you see, us serving the Lord is not based upon someone else doing what's right. It's based upon us doing what's right as God has shown us to do what's right. Our obedience isn't based upon someone else's obedience. Our obedience is based upon being obedient because it's the right thing to do. So just because someone around us or above us or below us is disobedient doesn't mean we become disobedient. We don't change our standards because someone else doesn't live by theirs. There's nothing new under the sun. So, again, we, we, can't, we can't fall into despair. We cannot despise the manna. We cannot blame Moses, and we definitely don't want to blame God. We want to esteem the manna. We want to esteem men and women who are trying so hard to lead the church this year in the most exasperating circumstances. My love and appreciation for people that I've looked up to in the ministry for years has just gone through the roof. My respect and love and admiration for Franklin Graham has always been there. It's way over the top this year. I'm so glad Franklin Graham's alive and to been around to lead the church of Jesus Christ in 2020. And how he handles people that hate him. Powerful people who hate him, and how he just he just goes, you know, like that. It's gotta hurt, you know, when you show up in New York to provide relief, and people accuse you of being a hate monger and all this stuff. Like, it's gotta hurt. But he just, like his father, like his sister, like his daughter. Like, it's gotta hurt. Like, you just skip Isaac watching skip we know skip we love skip and skip loves us he's offered to help our church in the last couple years at different times for different things he's made himself available to me and we've watched him navigate this stuff and as i say to see him try and do everything he can for nine months to abide by the laws of the state in one of those difficult states and just watch how gracious he was for those over him politically and those beside him spiritually and how he was attacked from those people who opened churches. And then he was attacked when he opened his church because he had no choice there was nothing left and he felt it was conviction. We, we need to do what we need to do for the Lord now. And to see the hatred voiced against him, my love and respect for Skip Isaac has just gone up so much in 2020. You know, I was, I, I've always liked Skip. When he was at Calvary Costa Mesa for a couple years there, when, you know, in the mid-2000s when he was there, some of you might remember that. I was like, I love Skip. man. Like, that guy would have been a general in World War II. Him and Don McClure, you know, they would have been on different, you know, the West, you know, different parts of it. I mean, Skip is the smartest guy in the room. And he's a spirit-filled man. And to watch him be exasperated, the church is thriving, there are new campuses and all this stuff, and he's got a oh, just so much respect for him. Jeff Johnson, Pancho, Rawl. John MacArthur, all these people, man. I've just gained so much respect for these spiritual leaders and their wives and how they've handled things. What a trying time. Don't blame the Lord and don't blame his people. And definitely don't curse the manna. Amen? God is good all the time. So let me say it again. God is good all the time. And all things work together for good. And we cannot lose sight of that. And then finally... The third thing that we see, so the people became discouraged, and the people spoke against, and we don't want to do that. But finally, we see that even when the people were bitten by the fiery serpents, they, they actually confessed their sins. They said, we have sinned. I mean, there it is. I mean, this is the gospel. We have sinned. Confess with your mouth, you know, like confession of sin. Jesus said, repent and believe, right? It's the first words of Jesus in the gospel of Mark. So they say we've sinned, and they cry out, and the Lord provides a healing. So all they had to do was look on the bronze serpent, which represents Christ. Now, why a serpent, though? Well, I mean, Satan is that serpent of old, and Satan was cast out from heaven. Satan is allowed in time, space, and matter as an alien. He's the opposite choice of choosing good choices and choosing God's love. It's to choose unbelief. There has to be a choice because love always has a choice. He's the author of all things evil. And really the promise of Jesus conquering Satan is that he would crush the serpent, the head of the serpent, but the serpent would bruise his heel, which is Jesus on the cross. So if you really think about sin and the snake, sin and serpent go together, and Jesus on the cross is the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So Jesus on the cross is not so much Beautiful Jesus teaching the children, let the little children come to me, or teaching the Beatitudes, or glorify the mind of transfiguration. Jesus on the cross is us looking like a snake because he's dying for our sins. There's nothing pretty about the cross. The cross is ugly. It's brutal. It's vicious. He's beaten beyond recognition, and by his stripes we are healed. So that serpent being lifted up by Moses, that's Jesus on the cross, And it's like, oh, it's repulsive. Like, what if it was something glorious, like like Jesus looking glorious, like crucifixes growing up in the Catholic church, they, they make them look pretty good sometimes, right? You can make a crucifix look pretty good. But a bronze serpent lifted up in the wilderness when people are dying, being bitten by a snake, that's not attractive. And let me be clear, there is nothing attractive about Jesus on the cross. There's nothing attractive about our sins. There's nothing attractive about God judging his son for our sins, but there's no other way. That bronze serpent is as ugly as ugly can be, and it's offensive to look at it. But what's the cross? The cross is an offense. And why do we preach the gospel? Because it is an offense. It offends our pride. It offends our unbelief. But without the remission of sins, there can be no healing and forgiveness from sins. Paul said, if I cease to preach the cross, I cease to preach the offense. The offense is that bronze serpent lifted in the wilderness. That is offensive. And it was offensive to people. I'm bit by a snake. I'm dying. I got a venomous, like a rattlesnake or a water moccasin or something or a cobra. And I'm dying. And they're like, honey, just go outside and look at the bronze serpent. I don't want to. It's ugly. How do you know you haven't even looked at it? Well, because I'm master of my destiny. If I choose to die in my tent today in the Sinai Peninsula, that's my choice. It's my life. That's right. So die with your viper bite if that's you in 2020. But if you're willing to say, I have sinned and look upon the bronze serpent, you can be saved. All you have to do is look and believe. It's like Naaman. When he came to be healed in the, uh, the land of Israel, the Syrian general and he had leprosy. And he was ready to do anything. He was ready to buy it. He was ready to do great things to show how great he is to be healed from leprosy. And Elijah said, I don't even to talk to him. Just tell him to go dunk in the river seven times, the Jordan River. He was so mad. He left the. He was hot, hot mad, like kicking stuff. No one tells me to dunk in the Jordan River. Are there not better rivers in Syria to, to be washed in? And the servant's like, dude, you're really ready to buy it all? You brought all these treasures with you? I mean, it's a pretty simple thing, just dunk in the Gordon river, Jordan River. But it was the pride. And write seven times. So each time he's like, well, you know, but sometimes it's like, it's praising Jesus. See, it seems simple enough to look at the bronze serpent, but you have to have a humble heart because God resists the problem. gives grace to the humble, just like the cross. Great glory, if he ever does a crusade again, he might as well just walk out there with a bronze serpent because it's the same thing. Black and white version, shadow of things to come. Oh, that's what's Greg Laurie doing with that serpent out there on the center field of the big A, you know? He's just lifting up Jesus. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. That bronze serpent, he took and said, that's me. Even as the serpent was lifted in the wilderness, so too the Son of Man must be lifted up. In a sense, very real sense, Billy Graham and all his crusades he did for 60 years all over the planet Almost every country in the world, he just went around the bronze serpent. Jesus Christ and the bronze serpent, they're one and the same. It's the gospel message. And so you see, there's a simplicity to being healed from the bite of sin and the death sentence of sin because the people died. And sin brings forth death. And we're born in sin and we're all dying. We're born dead spiritually. We're dying physically and we're already dead spiritually to be separated from God all eternity, dead eternally. But again, as Jesus was lifted up like the bronze serpent, if we look unto him, he'll become the author and finisher of our faith. And he'll heal us. And this is the gospel message. This is the good news. And it's no different on December 26, 2020 than it was December 26, 2019. Nor is it going to be any different December 26, 2021. The gospel is the everlasting gospel. And this is the good news. So we can just like enjoy communion. We can clean out a garage for the last week of the year or whatever else we want to do the last week of 2020. We can close it out because this is good news. All we have to do is acknowledge our sins, confess Christ, look upon the bronze serpent, Jesus on the cross, and be healed and go forward from that in victory and life. That's what we want to do. So you see, the people were discouraged, but the people of faith, even though they're discouraged, they, they still have faith, and they press into the Lord. These people, they loathe the spiritual things. We do not want to load spiritual things, and we just want to look to the one who's lifted up on our behalf, who brings our healing in all of our best moments, which are still filthy rags, we're told by Isaiah the prophet, and our worst moments, which are worse than we ever want them to be or admit that they really are. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. And so we've been lifting up Jesus all year. We're going to keep on lifting up Jesus. And we're going to lift up Jesus till the trumpet sounds. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to do the best we can to grow and learn from all the exasperating, unprecedented events that affect our life. In whatever timeline we're in and whatever experiences we're facing, we know that he's going to see us through. So be encouraged, worship generation. Have faith and confidence in him.